Hello, welcome to the Tech News and Commentary. I'm the greatest ever, Joey Cagle. And I'm the greatest ever ever be, Antonio Guerra. And we've got some of the greatest tech news ever. Like AMD having amazing performance in a CPU benchmark, and it looks like they've caught up with NVIDIA with their GPUs as well. Meanwhile, Intel has another slight CPU vulnerability. Apple is working on making the AirPods look less stupid. Seriously, I think the AirPods look stupid. Just my opinion. Robinhood hackers are donating money to charity and Trump's website was hacked. The SpaceX public beta begins and the FDA approves a COVID-19 treatment. NASA has found a super expensive asteroid and finds water on the moon. All this and more because it's time for the tech news and commentary on Joey's Totally Tech. Welcome to the Tech News and Commentary on Joey's Totally Tech. We're glad you joined us today. Now, let's get started because there's a lot of tech news. Today's top story, AMD Ryzen 5 5600X posts benchmark results and passmark 10% above all Intel processors. The new processor had impressive performance in the Passmark single-thread benchmark. It was 47% faster than its predecessor and has beat all Intel chips. The processor has a base clock of 3.7 GHz and boosts up to 4.6 GHz and retails for $299. The score was 3,945 points. The previous processors, the Ryzen 5 3600X, scored 2,677 points, and the Ryzen 5 3600XT scored 2,832 points. We've yet to see benchmarks from the new Ryzen 7 5800X or Ryzen 9 5900X or the 5950X, but they will, of course, have significantly better scores than what the 5600X has managed so far. We've got good news on the GPU front too, which we will discuss in the gaming news. Yeah, this uh, processor benchmark, it's uh, really exciting stuff because AMD, they had been uh, playing catch-up with Intel for some time. The past few years with the Ryzen launchers have been really good. Okay. Uh, Before Ryzen came out, AMD was kind of uh, lagging behind for years on the CPU front, unfortunately. And the past few years, they've come out with Ryzen. And they've come out with some amazing stuff. They were still a little behind Intel as far as performance goes, but uh, they were definitely catching up. And now it looks like at least in single thread performance here on the new CPUs are coming out. They're exceeding Intel. They're even exceeding their own stuff beyond what I would have thought, you know? Now, what are these scores based off of exactly? Um, They're benchmark scores. This is the single-threaded performance, and um, it's kind of hard to explain to someone who might not be quite as tech-savvy. Okay. Uh, But it's just a way that it uh, processes uh, certain renderings or whatnot. Like, what's the scale? Like, what's the highest you can Uh, get? That, I don't think there is a highest. You just get more and more and more points. Gotcha. Yeah, it's like um, the, it's like the Dave Meltzer scoring system. I guess, except his is supposed to be five stars, and uh, several wrestlers have broken it. I think he's like put out like stars. I think he reviewed like an eight star match a couple years ago, something like that. 
All right. We'll let's start a wrestling podcast sometime as much as we're talking about wrestling. <laughs> oh, yeah, because this isn't taking up enough of your free time, right? That's all right, man. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm really excited about these Ryzen CPUs. Uh, competition is definitely a good thing. And it's great to see AMD really competing with Intel on this. They're competing with NVIDIA, too. And we're going to get into that in the gaming news. That's really exciting stuff, too. Now, do you think these new processes will give them an advantage as far as, like, encryption is concerned? Uh, encryption, I really don't know. But I know we do have uh, a little vulnerability with the Intel CPUs. Oh, why don't you tell us about that? Sure. Researchers extract a secret key used to encrypt Intel CPU code. A secret key that encrypts updates to a number of Intel CPUs has been extracted, allowing third parties to decrypt the microcode updates Intel provides to fix security vulnerabilities and other bugs. It's possible to update Intel chips with custom microcode using the secret key. There's no way to effectively eliminate the vulnerability, but Intel has said the issue is not serious for customers as an attacker would require physical access to the machine and the key can't be used to infect CPUs in the supply chain. So really, it's not that big of a deal, yeah. but it's there. It's something to be aware of. Don't let some random person just use your computer. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, I don't know, do you th how difficult do you think it is to extract these secret keys? Um, I really don't know because I haven't gotten that much into doing stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not really a big hacker or anything. I got you. I've played around with hacking tools, but nothing like this. It was more like Wi-Fi stuff. Right on, right on. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to me like the whole hacker thing, I don't know, it seems like it's one of those things like it's not, nothing you can really do to to put it to squash it completely you know what i'm saying right it's right. kind of like, it's like the war on drugs you know i mean that's a that's a you can't put that genie back in the bottle you yeah too many people with too much information you know yeah you've got to do everything you can to protect yourself fortunately this case it's not so bad you just uh gotta make sure you don't have some random person using your computer and chances are you're not going to have just some stranger messing with your computer. I mean, you got to make sure you're using reputable, reputable websites when you're searching for things on the internet, right? Yeah, but even with this bug, a website is not going to uh, do this. Unless you uh, download some BIOS update or Windows update somehow that has the microcode in it. Oh, yeah, especially when you're you, if you're downloading software off the internet, you definitely got to be double sure that you're, yeah. Right, right. So, Antonio, uh, tell us uh, what Apple is doing. Well, apparently Apple is trying to develop their own alternative to Google Search. Uh, they are pushing to build their own search tools, uh, especially with their ties with Google, who has come under antitrust scrutiny as of late. Uh in iOS 14, Apple began to show its own search results and link directly to websites when users type queries from the home screen. This shows advances in Apple's in-house development and may be the foundation of a greater attack on Google, according to some in the industry. Apple is quite secretive about internal projects, but this move adds to the growing evidence that they're working to build a rival to Google. Two and a half years ago, Apple brought in John Gianandrea, the former head of search at Google, to boost AI capabilities as well as the Siri virtual assistant. But of course, he also brought eight years of experience running the world's biggest search engine to the table. Apple has also been working on its AppleBot crawler since before 2015. AppleBot's crawl rate 
has increased substantially in more recent months, but it's possible Apple is just trying to improve Siri. Since the U.S. Department of Justice launched a case against Google last week over payments Google makes to Apple to be on the iPhone's default search tool, there has been more urgency for Apple to build its own search tools. Apple has had Google as the default search engine for more than a decade, and even though Apple may want to get away from Google, Apple's strong stance on privacy may prevent it from entering into the search engine business. Now, I don't know that their strong stance on privacy should stop them. I mean, look at go, uh, look at DuckDuckGo. They're popular, at least among like uh, privacy experts and yeah, yeah. open source fans and whatnot. Yeah. Now, they're nowhere near as big as Google. Uh, Yahoo, did they ever have any privacy issues that you remember? Uh, I think they got hacked a couple years ago. But yeah, but other, other than, than that, that... Yeah, I don't like, think they've had been busted as far yeah. as, like, you know... Like, was Yahoo known for uh, selling data? I don't remember any big issues with that. Not known for it. I mean, I'm sure yeah, they do and, it all the time, but... And Yahoo at one time was one of the... Or was probably the biggest search engine for a while. Yeah, that was, like, in the maybe, like, mid to late 90s. That was kind of, like, the first big... Right. Like, I still I still have a Yahoo email address. Yeah, a lot of people do. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that it's possible a search engine that respects privacy could become popular again. But, um... You know, honestly, I think in today's day and age, I don't think privacy is as big of an issue for as many people as you think it is. Yeah, it may not be. I mean, I know a lot of uh, people who are concerned about privacy, but yeah. there's probably a lot of people that just don't care. I mean, you know, how many people read those, you know, super long EULA agreements? Not very many. You're probably selling your soul to the devil. You don't, you don't yeah. know, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know. But, yeah, I don't think that many cons- people are concerned about it. I mean, people are definitely concerned about it. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, I'm concerned about it. But I think it's one of those things that people like. I think it's at the kind of like in the back of their mind they're concerned about it, but mm-hmm. I think it's just one of those things that they're not really. It's sort of like uh, it's like wearing a seatbelt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think people put on a seatbelt, but you know, in the back of their mind, they're not really worried about getting in a car accident. Yeah. But I think they think it's a possibility, but you know, they they're very confident that they're going to drive to work and then drive back home completely without incident. So yeah, I think it's the same thing right. with like your privacy. Yeah, all these corporations, you know, know what kind of breakfast cereal you like and what kind of toilet paper you like and whatever. But I think it's just one of those necessary evil things. That's what we were talking about last week. All these free services Google offers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because it's like we were saying before. We're not paying for anything, so we're the product. So they're mining yeah. our data and using it to, you know, sell ad space and whatever. And now I can see what the uh, Great Wall of China looks like, if I feel like. Yeah. So. Of course, I think in order for a company to do it and respect uh, privacy, of course, they're going to have to find a way to make money on that um, without getting people's data somehow. Uh, DuckDuckGo seems to be making it work. I mean, they're no Google, though. But I mean, they, they can sell ads. It might not be targeted ads like what Google has I mean, been I, able I to I kind of liken it to like McDonald's almost. McDonald's, yeah. they're the first of the party. They're quick. They're dirty. You're in and out. And it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you try to start up this little boutique, you know, burger spot. Yeah, you might get a little bit of attention, but you're not going to beat yeah. McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They've already perfected the business model. And they're one of those companies that they're just so big now. They're, yeah. they're kind of controlling their own piece of the right. of the economy over there. So. Yeah. All I'm saying is there's a way to make it work, and someone is going to do it eventually. Hopefully. hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. 
Anyway, so Apple is also planning smaller iPods Pro. AirPods, you mean? Or AirPods Pro. I said iPods. Oops, that's my mistake. They're planning smaller AirPods Pro, is what I'm trying to say. Which is good, because I think the current AirPods look stupid. Uh, Apple plans to update their AirPods earbuds next year, capitalizing on the success of their product, which has been an important source of growth. I don't know why. Who would want to buy those ugly things? The design of the entry-level AirPods will be similar to the current AirPods Pro with shorter stems and replaceable ear tips. Actually, it's the regular AirPods, the entry-level there that I think are ugly. I haven't looked at the AirPods Pro, honestly. See, I thought the AirPods... I don't like the AirPods Pro myself. Yeah. Maybe they're ugly, too. I gotta take a look at both of them. They're an acquired taste, maybe. Yeah, they're also working on improving battery life, but the entry-level model won't have higher-end AirPods Pro features like noise cancellation. Apple aims to make the earbuds more compact by eliminating the short stem that sticks out from the bottom. That's good. That's what I think is ugly about them. Uh, The design they're testing feels more of a user's ear. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with those stems. Like, I have a little $35 set of earbuds. There's no stem. They fit in your ear. They're low profile. So I don't know what the big deal is with this stem. I guess maybe that makes the range better, but... I I guess it's supposed to be, like, antennas or something. I I don't know. But if I want antennas sticking out my head, I like them sticking up like I'm looking like an alien or something. Yeah, yeah, like the dude (laughs) from My Favorite Martian. (laughs) Yeah. I want to look like an alien. You, I mean, no, I, not I think really. you're halfway there already. I, 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 yeah, people probably wonder if I'm from Earth. Do you think you're from Earth? I I have to wonder sometimes. I think you could be like, uh, they left you behind, kind of like Superman kind of thing. Maybe. Or maybe it's Brightburn. Did you see that? Mm, I haven't seen that. It's basically like if, it's based on the Superman origin story, but what if Superman got bullied as a kid? Oh, okay. okay. All right. We've got one more Apple story. Tell us about it, Antonio. So, uh, do Apple's iPhone 12 phones have a secret reverse wireless charging feature? Very mysterious. The iPhone 12 lineup can wirelessly charge external accessories, according to FCC filings. The phones support Apple's new MagSafe standard for wireless charging, but Apple did not announce anything regarding reverse charging features. Reverse wireless charging doesn't work for any current devices, but it could be turned on at any time in the future. So be you could use your phone to charge things, or yeah, I'm thinking like probably smaller devices like uh, I don't know your iWatch or whatever or Apple Watch. Apple Watch, is what it's called. I I, I always call it the iWatch because they did i everything for such a long time. Yeah, they did the iMac, the iPod, the iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they're trying to be like maybe this is like the future. We're not going to use i anymore. Yeah, they had dropped the i on a lot of things, and they're. Uh, replacing it like they don't have uh itunes anymore they're phasing that out i should say replacing that with apple, apple music. music okay yeah i mean i guess the whole i thing is kind of 90s because i means well, inter- more 2000s but yeah oh yeah i guess well that, did the imax come out like in the late 90s probably late 90s i i think they started putting i on other things in the early 2000s like ipod oh yeah then the iphone came out obviously yeah, iPad. whatever the, uh, but this the I stands for iTunes internet, doesn't it? Um, I think that's the general thinking. Oh, I don't know if they've officially said that. Okay, because I think when the iMac came out, that was a thing. So it was like the internet Mac. This yeah. goes on the internet. It's the big thing back in the nineties, mm-hmm. and then the iPod. 
this is the internet pod you can get your music off the internet yeah your phone can go on the internet so yeah okay so anyway switching to google here uh alphabet's loon sets a new record for the longest stratospheric flight the parent company of google has been testing out loon balloons they've uh spent 312 days aloft breaking the previous record for a stratospheric flight of 223 days it flew 135,000 miles over 10 months having launched in puerto rico and landed in mexico the balloons go through millions of simulated flights before they are created Alphabet fine-tunes the manufacturing process to remove any tiny defects that have drastically shortened earlier flight attempts. Google monitors data from the balloons during the flight to make adjustments and maximize flight time. Longer-lasting balloons cost less and provide more consistent connectivity for those on the ground. So what do you think of these loon balloons? I mean, they're really meant to provide internet access in, uh, like, uh, third world countries, like in Africa and places like that, where they don't have a lot of high-speed internet. So it's like a low-altitude Starlink, almost. Yeah, basically. And I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm definitely rooted for that. I'm definitely, I mean, I root for anything that's going to help uh, people overall. Yeah. Um, I'm not totally sure how much... I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm totally anti-capitalist, but I'm very critical of capitalism because I do feel like it has hurt people over time. Uh, however, I think it's good when companies are trying to give back somehow. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting to see what they could do. I hope uh, they do something amazing with it and help improve the lives of many. Yeah, I, mean, I think having like you know free high speed internet that would definitely help things in that part of the yeah. world. I mean, obviously there's bigger things going on than internet, but you know mm-hmm. it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the but, internet for a decent job these days, you probably want to have internet access to get that job. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. If you're living out in the you know Africa somewhere and there's not a lot going on, but you have a computer, you know there's things you can do on the internet that you think you to make money. You can do data processing. Yeah. You can do web development if that's your thing there's all kinds of stuff you can yeah do. uh you know my girlfriend actually does doordash and we sometimes uh have problems with uh the connectivity in rural areas when she has to go to that and she's got to uh mark a delivery as complete yeah she can't do that so something like that would be good here in the states too quite honestly send those out to rural areas oh yeah that's the thing people think like oh it's it's the United States they must have awesome internet everywhere well yeah like in major metropolitan like suburban areas but yeah you go out on some farm somewhere you're lucky sometimes you don't get cell phone reception right right I think at least having LTE for that from a loon balloon and those rural areas that would be great yeah awesome yeah uh, speaking of DoorDash, Antonio, what are they doing? Well, they are partnering with a California restaurant to build a new brick-and-mortar location. Uh, DoorDash is partnering with Bruma Bites to build a new brick-and-mortar store. The restaurant will do delivery and takeout with menu items priced between $12 and $19. DoorDash has seen an increase in sales during the pandemic and is reportedly planning a traditional IPO before the end of this year. Bruma Bites is opening October 28th in Oakland, California. 
Gruma bites. That sounds kind of like uh, I know someone in Redding, California, that what, had opened a restaurant called Gorilla Bites. I think they eventually closed down. But so, Gorilla it, or Gorilla? Uh, well, it had a gorilla as the logo, but it was spelled Gorilla. Okay, oh, it's one of those things. It's like uh, you ever seen the movie The Town? Uh, I have not. Well, Ben Affleck's brother, his name was Jim, mm-hmm. but they have like, you know, South Boston accents. So yeah. And that sounds like Jim. So he's introducing his brother to his girlfriend. He's like, hey, this is Jim. And then she's like, excuse me, is your name Jim or is it Jim? And then his brother's like, actually, it's both. You know, my name mm-hmm. is Jim, but, you know, back when I was growing up, people would always say, hey, you can have this guy. He's a real Jim. So people yeah. call me Jim, but it's both. <laughs> right. Anyway, I think Gorilla Bites, it was either all vegan or all organic. I can't remember which. It might have been both. Okay, okay. Yeah. It, it was like, I, I know the owner was very health conscious, and he was trying to get people to eat healthy. And that's a big thing in California anyway. Oh, yeah. They're really health conscious out that way. Yeah. I wonder if Bruma Bites is something similar. Possibly. I it's think expensive. It's, <laughs> I think it's interesting when like these tech companies, when they go into brick and mortar, it's like, you know, Amazon, they're slowly killing brick and mortar businesses, but then they turn around and they're trying to open a grocery store. Yeah, well, they bought store. Whole Foods and then they've got Amazon Go and something else in California, too. I can't remember what the name is now. I think I remember, though, they're, I, mean, I might I'm, be making I've this up. I've mentioned it here before. I think they're, they're, they're trying to open a bookstore, like a brick and mortar bookstore. Like, <laughs> hmm. I could be making that up. Though. They started as an internet bookstore. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, those Amazon uh, grocery stores are crazy. Have you seen those yet? Uh, I've seen the Amazon ghost stores. What's that? Uh, the Amazon... Oh, okay, so the Amazon ghost stores, you have like um, a barcode on your phone. You scan that. You go in their uh, artificial intelligence uh kind of tracks you around the store what you pick up whatnot you don't go through a cash register checkout lane or anything you just take it and go and then you get an invoice from amazon and pay for it is that is that the grocery store is it that other stuff Um, it's like a more small format store i know the grocery store you're talking about and that's what i can't remember the name of that they're testing out in los angeles it was like Amazon Fresh or some crap. I don't know. That sounds about right. But, um, yeah, I well, know that's the got... same thing. It was just like, I guess you have the little app for your phone. And it's it. So the phone knows when you enter the store. So as soon yeah. as you walk in the store, the store knows. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's just cameras everywhere. Yeah. And uh, all the items have, they're able to be recognized by the camera. Right. So if the cameras see you pick up something and put it in your mm-hmm. bag, then they charge you for it. Yeah. Then at the end, it basically, like you said, they send you an invoice. Mm-hmm. And then you can even, uh, what do you do? You can even return items. Like I saw a video. You, you yeah. might have seen the same one. It was from Linus Tech Tips. That, uh, it might have been the same video. Yeah, this is the thing I was talking about. Okay. Where he went to, I think it was in Seattle. Okay, it, yeah, that was an Amazon Go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we're, we're, um, we might be talking about the same thing. Yeah, because I know there's a new uh, store that they're testing out in Los Angeles that's like strictly grocery. Gotcha. Um, okay. They've got what's called Dash Carts. And um, this, I think, does have regular checkouts, but their Dash Cart you can put in a certain amount of groceries and as long as you don't go over the item limit you can just uh not go through the cash register and you get an invoice from amazon but if you go over that item limit then i think you have to go through the checkout if i remember correctly 
I feel you. Okay, right on. So anyway, how are you going to pay with that? Uh, if you were in the Bahamas, well, you could be paying with sand dollars. The Central Bank of the Bahamas launches sand dollar digital currency. The DBDC has launched a Bahamian version of their Bahamian dollar. The DBDC was designed to create a more inclusive access to regulated payments and other financial services. Other countries such as the US, China, Russia, as well as the European Union are looking at launching CBDCs as well. Funds are to be accessible via the mobile app and secured with multi-factor authentication. The sand dollar is backed one-to-one by the bohemian dollar. So I've been hearing a lot about these digital currencies lately. We've talked about them the past few weeks, and I guess they're a little different from the cryptocurrencies that we've mentioned. They're like officially sanctioned currencies. Right. They are definitely centralized and typically backed by whatever that country's uh, monetary uh, system is. I gotcha. Yeah. Well, that is interesting. I mean, I think... uh I mean, technology has changed the way we do pretty much everything else, so why not change the way we spend our money, right? Yeah, but I've always thought of the money in my bank account as kind of digital anyway, because I'm not physically holding the money. I just have oh, the yeah. card. I never carry cash. So I, I don't know what the big difference is, honestly, other than you're using a mobile app rather than a card. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just easier for people to, I don't know, use this. Maybe it's like, maybe it's more instantaneous because sometimes with like, with, you know, banks and stuff, when you're using cash, it doesn't clear right away. Right. Maybe this is more. If it has to go through the ACH system or something. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I honestly have no idea because what you said makes a lot of sense. So you're basically, like I was saying, like, you know, both of my jobs, I get direct deposit. Mm-hmm. I don't even get a pay stub. I can look at my pay stub online if I want, but as long as the money right. shows up every Friday, I'm cool. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I never carry cash ever. Yeah. So. Yeah, but um, some of these uh, hackers are getting some of that cash that's out there. Oh, yeah. Tell oh, us yeah. about that. Well, there's these Robinhood hackers, and they're donating stolen money. Uh, apparently, a group of hackers has donated stolen money to charities, saying they want to make the world a better place. Children International said it won't keep the money, and the Water Project has yet to release any statements regarding the donations. The donations were made through the Giving Block, a service which helps nonprofits receive their donations in cryptocurrencies. The Giving Block has been working to trace the funds and determine if they came from any stolen sources. They say the funds will be easier to trace since the donations were made using cryptocurrency. Identity information is not required when donating to the Giving Block. I mean, I suppose they have good intentions, uh, you know. I mean, I'm not crazy about the super rich myself, you know. Yeah. But I think there's better ways to go about this, honestly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm sure the, you know, the super rich people, they do things behind closed doors that we would not think is right. But, you know, I guess that's one thing to just, you know, outright steal from mm-hmm. them. So, yeah. But, of course, I mean, it's hacktivism. There's going to be some things that make, make have to make it inconvenient uh, for the what they're fighting against, you know? Uh, for the people that they feel are causing the problems, you know? I mean, at least they're doing something good with the money. They're not, like, you know, right. funding a proxy war in West Africa or, freaking, yeah. uh, you know, a heroin farm over in China or something. Right. So that's a good thing. Hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully what happens with this is 
it builds up awareness of what, hey, these rich people aren't helping out these charities enough or the poor enough or whatever. I think people are probably aware. <laughs> oh, yeah, people are aware. But are the rich people themselves aware of their lack of caring? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they're aware, but I think when you're in that position, it kind of dilutes you to certain, you know, situations going on in society. Yeah. So, so maybe the maybe that will help awaken their awareness a bit, and you know, hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet any money, but yeah. it's nice to dream, right? That's uh, nice to dream, yeah. Um, it's also nice when the president's website gets hacked. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, a, a rich guy's website got hacked. Yeah, <laughs> Trump's website got hacked specifically. The president of the United States. President Trump's website was hacked Tuesday night and was briefly defaced by hackers with a cryptocurrency scam and claimed Trump has, quote, criminal involvement, end quote, with election manipulation and that the administration was involved in creating the novel coronavirus. DonaldJTrump.com has been fixed and is seeking donations and urging Trump supporters to register to vote. This defacement reportedly lasted less than 30 minutes on Tuesday evening. The campaign spokesperson, Tim Martal, said the campaign is, quote, working with law enforcement authorities to investigate the source of the attack. There was no exposure to sensitive data because none of it is actually stored on the site. The website has been restored, end quote. Look, I don't like the president at all. I've made that very clear. Yeah. But let's not go hack into his site. That's probably, like, one of the stupidest things to do. Unless you're really good at hiding yourself. Maybe they have a VPN. <laughs> I think you're going to need more of a v- more than a VPN to protect yourself. In Maybe this they've case got of. three VPNs. <laughs> I mean, come on. We're messing with the government here. That's not good at all. They're uh, going to fine you. <laughs> Unless it's like in a, a foreign country and they can't really do anything about it. Yeah, if it was done by a foreign country then or someone in a foreign country even, then maybe there's less that could be done. That's probably it. Yeah. I, I bet it's the British. They're still salty about 1700s. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So SpaceX is starting public betas with pricing. SpaceX has sent email invitations to Starlink's public beta. The service will cost $99 a month plus a one-time fee of $4.99 for the user terminal, mounting tripod, and router. The better-than-nothing beta feature speeds of between 50 megabits per second to 150 megabits per second and latency from 20 milliseconds to 40 milliseconds. SpaceX believes the service will improve dramatically as more satellites are launched. There are no data caps. A mobile app is available to help users set it up and manage their service. Yeah, so for me, it's a little pricey, I think. Yeah, but, I mean, especially for these speeds. I mean, these are the kind of the same speeds you can get from, like, Spectrum, you know? Yeah, but it's early on in the service, and this is a service that's meant to be out in rural areas where it's kind of hard to get something like Spectrum, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, if you're living on a rock somewhere out in Colorado, then, yeah, this is maybe a good option for you. I mean, I, mean, I guess yeah. it's not terrible. $99 a month, I mean, I pay, like, 60 bucks a month, yeah. so that's not the end of the world. Yeah, but something tells me once more people get on it, and maybe even after they get out of beta and they're uh, out public completely, uh, maybe it'll come down. So that reads correctly. Do you have to pay to be in the beta? Yeah, you've got um, it's a four hundred ninety nine uh, 
dollars for the user terminal mounted tripod and router so i guess that's the equipment uh so that's kind of expensive to start up with yeah especially be for beta and especially if you could be getting freaking 50 megabits like <laughs> yeah Huh? Whatever, teach but, their own. But you know, that's like I think that's one of the reasons I think the price is going to come down eventually. Maybe this helps jumpstart things with it, and over time, we can see cost reductions. That's my thinking and my hope, because I feel like even in rural areas, people are going to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to pay that just to have a uh, better speed, a better internet speeds. You know. I don't know. We got pretty good internet speeds out here right now. Yeah. They might just go with some other satellite service like HughesNet uh, Hughes or something, which sucks, but you know. I mean, do you think it'd be better than the current iteration of Starlink? Or I mean, the speeds are definitely better, but um, and it should be getting better over time, but I don't know if people are going to be willing to pay that price the whole time. I'm, I'm thinking they'll have to come down in price at some point. Okay, okay. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about this new VR technology coming out of yeah. Samsung? So yeah, Samsung and Stratford have made a 10,000 PPI, that's pixels per inch display, which could lead to flawless VR. Samsung and Stratford developed a new OLED technology supporting resolutions up to 10,000 pixels per inch, the screens use films to emit white light between reflective layers, allowing specific colors to resonate through the pixels. This results in high pixel density without affecting the brightness. The new OLED screens would also be ideal for virtual reality and augmented reality, creating an image without the screen door effect, which is commonly seen in current displays. So, what do you think this means for uh, the new VR technology coming out? I mean, as someone who has not used VR yet, I really don't know. But I know VR, according to many people, has been kind of a fad. Um, I think it's cool. I don't know if I place it in the fad category, but definitely a niche category right now. I think um, once they perfect it, I think it could really take off. Okay, yeah. I, mean, um, I, th I think once, I mean, right now it's basically you're just, you know, it's not as tactile as you would like, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I think once they have the ability to like, oh, you can actually, it feels like you're actually getting hit a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Once they have all that, once you can actually fully immerse yourself in the experience and it doesn't feel like you're walking around with a helmet and some controllers, I think that's going to be the point where it's like, oh my God, you mean I can go on a date with Uma Thurman? from 1992 if I want. Right, like, right. You know what I'm saying? So, Something more like the holodeck from Star Trek. Yeah, it's like holodeck or like I was saying before, like Ready Player One. You know, right, it's right, like yeah. fully immersive VR. You have a death race of a thousand people mm -hmm. and the Iron Giant and the Millennium Falcon could show up. Like like I said, I think once it hits that point, then we might start seeing it take off. Yeah, for sure. And we'll be right back after these messages.
Do you like the music and sound effects we're using on the Joey's Totally Tech podcast? Well, we get the licensing for this music through Epidemic Sound. If you're a content creator creating video on YouTube or other social media platforms, or a fellow podcaster, visit bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. That's bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. And you can sign up for a subscription for as little as $15 per month. They have a wide variety of genres of music, as well as sound effects you can incorporate into your content. You don't have to pay royalties, you just pay the monthly subscription fee. Or you can also buy lifetime licenses to particular tunes and effects too. So if you want to use some fresh music and help support this podcast too, check out bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic and sign up for Epidemic Sound today. And we're back. Next time, consider signing up for the exclusives at joeystotallytech.com slash exclusive. You'll get ad-free episodes. That means that we won't leave like we just did. Did you miss us? (laughs) Yeah, did you miss us? You'll get extended interviews. That means we won't cut out parts of the interview. You'll get the full thing. And other bonus content. That's stuff that you probably won't hear in the main feed for... $1.50 $1.50 per week, $5 per month, or $50 per year. Is that a great value, you think, Antonio? That sounds like a good value to me, yeah. Joey. Awesome. So, let's move on to the gaming news. All right, today's top gaming story Facebook unveils free-to-play cloud gaming service. Facebook Gaming has launched in beta for a limited group of people. The service launched with five games, including Gameloft's Asphalt 9 Legends, out of the social network's 2.7 billion monthly active users, over 700 million of them play games, and around 350 million playing Facebook Instant Games. Facebook Gaming says it isn't aiming to compete with other services, but wants to connect developers to consumers in an efficient way without leaving Facebook. So the the platform is not currently available on iOS. Gee, I wonder why. Does it have anything to do with their policies that make cloud gaming prohibitively difficult on their platforms? Uh, I mean, that probably has a small thing to do with it. A small thing. I'd say it's pretty big. So, uh, yeah, Facebook is getting into the cloud gaming. What do you think of that? I mean, it's no surprise, but I don't know if they're going to be as big as, like, uh, xCloud or Stadia or anything like that. Um, I mean, Facebook uh, has had games for a while, like, mostly casual games. Yeah, yeah. Like, Um, I used to play, like... Like Family Feud and like prices yeah. right on there back there, in the day. I guess there's some more hardcore games too, but it's like they're always trying these new uh, gaming things, and I'm not sure that they really get 
that big beyond like the casual games like Farmville or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to play some Facebook games all the time. I think my problem with it is like it's expecting me to take up more time than what I have. I've got other things to do in my life, you know? Yeah, I think I was kind of playing Facebook games. That was kind of before I really got my, my first smartphone. Yeah. So once you have your smartphones and, you know, you have better access to those these little casual games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was playing some game years ago where you, like, had to run a restaurant. Oh, yeah, I play games like that. Yeah, the problem was, like, in order for me to get any work done in real life, I had to step away from that game. And then when I got back to the game, everyone was starving. <laughs> and my restaurant sucked. Well, you know, they're, they're trying to get you to probably spend a little bit of money to have like a little manager run your restaurant while you're Yeah, asleep. yeah. Uh, I don't I don't remember if that particular game did that, but gosh, I, I've got a life here. I, I, I'd rather play games that don't take up my entire life. You got to understand the, I've got responsibility. Like the, the people that run the app company that makes the game... <laughs> They have all these cars and houses they want to buy. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, then. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my thoughts. on. I I don't know how this uh, new cloud gaming service is going to be. But, I mean, these don't seem like the type of games that I was talking about. These seem like pretty serious games. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yep. So now you can build a video game like a Lego set with the new Unity tool. Lego and Unity paired up to create a Lego microgame. The microgame is free and it lets players create custom game worlds by snapping together virtual bricks. You don't need any previous video game programming knowledge to use it. Custom mods are also available, which add features to the game. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of surprised it took Lego this long to get into like the you know, snap together bricks to make your own worlds thing. Like Minecraft has been doing it for a decade. You know, Roblox is out there. There's well, other similar games too. Yeah, but I think this is like a more serious development tool. I mean, people can create stuff like that within Minecraft, but yeah. it's oh, so this is like Minecraft. you can create like actual like, you know, better, higher definition kind of I stuff. I think so, okay. yeah. I, I need to look more into it, but I do think we're eventually going to uh, get into a world where it's like and we're getting there already where it's like less coding and more you know just putting stuff together well I think as it just becomes easier to code and create like mm-hmm. you know more user friendly tools like I don't know if you ever played um, like Little Big Planet you ever played that before I've not I know about it but I've not played it yeah like uh, I think they've made like three so far and the first one came out like you know maybe eight or nine years ago Mm -hmm. and it's pretty simplistic you can create like a little side scrolling you know uh, platformer and then you know you can create little objectives and enemies or whatever and then with each iteration they like added more and more tools and now uh, the same company that made uh, Little Big Planet last year came out with another game called Dreams yeah and it's completely opened up what you can do you can pretty much create any game you want mm-hmm. i mean obviously if you're an amateur it's gonna be kind of janky but i mean it's still exciting possibilities like i remember back in the game the best thing you do as far as like creating a game they had like, the little rpg makers mm-hmm. so you can make you like your own little like you know you know top-down rpgs right and you know, that's pretty basic stuff but you know now they're giving you the tools to create like you know like rudimentary ai and you know mm-hmm. you know 
you know interactive level design and stuff like that yeah yeah i know um i have an old uh advanced dungeons and dragons uh rpg maker called uh unlimited adventures okay yeah old thing it's something that's been around forever you know but I think these tools are getting more advanced, and I could just hear programmers uh, screaming, "What's going to happen to our jobs?" I mean, I think what's going to happen to our the jobs is the job will be changing. You know, yeah. you'll you'll probably be working less with code and more with like putting bricks together. For example, I don't know <laughs> how many of you are familiar with the Scratch programming language, but it's kind of a basic programming language that teaches kids how to program. I'd see uh, what's happening as something that's a more advanced version of that, where you're just putting together blocks or whatever to get the game or the program you're trying to write working. Okay. And less coding happening. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like more I said, visual. Like I was saying before, I just think as these tools become more intuitive, mm -hmm. there's, you know, I think that just gives you the ability to just become more and more creative. Right. If you don't have to worry about, like, you know, yeah. hand painting textures and shadows, there's other things you can focus your time on. Yeah, granted, I mean, I, I'm someone who loves playing around with code, don't get me wrong. But sometimes I just want to get things done quickly and there's an easier way to do something, you know? quick and dirty just like yeah. mcdonald's i mean that's why for my joey's totally tech website i just used a pre-made theme and wordpress and threw it up there you know i did a little bit of a css work to it uh but you know it was a pre-made theme i didn't do a lot of uh design and development on that uh, that's fine i mean yeah. that's what i'm saying like even now you just have all these web development tools like wix and squarespace yeah. great they they make it so a child can make their own website. Granted, you know? I imagine with something like this and with uh, tools I've seen seriously, uh, I mean, similar to this, like, you can create a game without the code. However, a lot of these tools do allow you to put in the code, where if you know the code, and then that might make the game that much more uh, featureful. I mean, it's basically like the game Dreams. Basically, they created a game engine. Mm -hmm. And they're giving you the tools to do what you want in that engine. Yeah, it's a tool, and it's just a new tool that's going to make what you're trying to do easier. Do you think someday you could just be like, okay, I want a game where, I don't know, you got like a six-foot-tall dude with huge muscles, and he shoots aliens with a bazooka, and the aliens are green, and then it creates the game for you. Would that be crazy? <laughs> that would be crazy. I'm not sure it'll get quite to that level, but I don't know. You never never say never. You never know. You can order pizza now by talking to your phone. So Yeah. All right. So a next story. Control and Hitman 3 are launching on the Nintendo Switch via the cloud. Nintendo is jumping into the cloud gaming scene. During the company's surprise direct mini showcase, they showed off several coming titles, including Ubisoft's Immortals, Phoenix Rising, and Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. They have also revealed Control and Hitman 3 are coming to the Switch through their cloud streaming technology. Control Ultimate Edition, cloud version, is available and includes the base game and the first two expansions, The Foundation and AWE. The game was originally released on PS4, Xbox One, and PC in August of 2019. Hitman 3 cloud version is the final entry into the world of Assassination Trilogy. The game will be launching on current and next generation consoles and PC as an Epic Games Store exclusive title in 2021, but there's no specific launch date for the cloud-based Switch version as of yet. 
This is not Nintendo's first foray into the cloud gaming space, as Fantasy Star Online 2, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Resident Evil 7 released in cloud streaming versions for the Switch exclusively in Japan. Yeah, so Nintendo is uh, into the whole uh, cloud streaming uh, game now. Yeah. I mean, it's like I was saying before, it's uh, it's a very good option if you have fast enough internet. Mm-hmm. Like I know, uh, I remember a couple years ago on, um, I saw a video about in Japan, they were streaming, I think the latest um, Assassin's Creed, which I think was Origins at the time, it might have mm-hmm. been Odyssey, but they were just streaming that on a computer over Chrome. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, like I said, I think as internet speeds up, that's definitely gonna, I mean, it's just like, you know, how... It's just like each variation of the internet that we get. You know, back in the day, you could pretty much just send pictures. Mm-hmm. And then you can do videos. Yeah. Then you can stream. Then you can play video games online and mm-hmm. stream at the same time. And it's getting to the point where you can just stream the entire game. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. Yeah. You know, the technology is moving so fast. Mm-hmm. And eventually it's going to be like, you know, back in like the 90s or 2000s, it took you all day to download an MP3. They can download a thousand mp3s with your eyes closed you know what i'm yeah, saying so, exactly yeah and that's how it's going to be in mm-hmm. 20 years you can be able to stream 30 games at the same time it's not going to matter the internet's going to be so crazy at that point it's just going to be like a, like a bottomless well almost you know right right so cyberpunk 2077 delayed again now coming december 10th the anticipated open world rpg from cd project red has been delayed another three weeks and is now coming out December 10th. It was set to launch on November 19th, but studio execs Adam Badowski and Marcin Iwinski have said shipping the game on PS4 and Pro, Xbox One and Xbox X, and PC along with next-gen consoles and Stadia has been a challenge, particularly under work-from-home conditions. Quote, since Cyberpunk 2077 evolved towards almost being a next-gen title somewhere along the way, we need to make sure everything works well and every version runs smoothly. We're aware it might seem unrealistic when someone says that 21 days can make any difference in such a massive and complex game, but they really do, end quote. They also clarified recent news that just because the game has gone gold doesn't mean work on the game was complete, and the team is able to continue refining the experience. The time the studio allotted to do post-certification work was miscalculated, and that's the reason for the delay. So 2077 delayed again. That's like the second or third time they delayed this. Yeah, I know. But I'd rather do that than have a No Man's Sky experience. Yeah, I hear you Where they uh, over-promised and under-deliver. Now No Man's Sky is a pretty good game, but they've had to add uh, do so many updates to get it to where it is now for fans to be happy about it. I know the fans are really looking forward to this game because this is one of those games it's like, you know usually towards the end of a software generation you have mm-hmm. you know a couple of games that come out that like really squeeze right. the last bit of juice of processing power yeah out of the system like you know ps3 had like uh like assassin's creed uh, mm-hmm. black flag and um last of us yeah you know, those are pretty pretty technically proficient games on the yeah. that they beat on the ps3 mm-hmm. and the xbox for the Assassin's Creed, right? And then they were they launched remastered versions for the PS4. Yeah, and Cyberpunk 2077. It's like 
probably one of their biggest projects since The Witcher 3. Yeah. Which is an amazing game, by the way. I love The Witcher 3. I haven't played it much lately. I do want to get back to it at some point. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I know you know fans are looking forward to this game. It's been uh, you know one of the top gaming stories for the better part of two years now. So. Yeah. So uh, Sony is giving away PSVR camera adapters for the PS5. PlayStation VR fans can continue using the PSVR even once they've upgraded to PS5, Sony announced on Wednesday. The company is offering PSVR owners a free adapter to use with their PS5 when it arrives on November 12th. In order to get the adapter, you'll need to have the serial number from the PSVR processor as well as your personal shipping information. Then you can head to their adapter request page that they've set up, confirm you're not a bot, and fill out the form. The adapter is expected to ship to North America and to Europe in mid-November and should take two weeks to arrive, according to Sony. So yeah, I guess it's cool that they're not making you buy a whole new camera set up for your PlayStation VR system. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to remember, do you have the PSVR? I do. Okay, so you're planning on getting the PS5, right? Yeah, at some point. I'm not okay. really in a hurry because a lot of their you know exclusives are going to be available on the PS4. Gotcha. Like, the only like launch title I was like really looking forward to was miles morales yeah but that's coming to ps4 so yeah. i mean i might get it for christmas if not i might get it sometime next year yeah I'm not, I'm not so, like i said there's nothing there's no game right now i have to play right now you know what i'm saying yeah so, so i'm sure you're glad you could just get a free adapter rather than uh having to get a whole new headset <laughs> yeah well i think the the headset i think it's just the camera that they were talking oh about. the camera my bad yeah because uh yeah, they'd be pretty crazy if they yeah. changed up all this stuff for the headset. I, I haven't, I haven't done anything with PSVR, so I've no experience with that. So oh. you know more about it than I do. Well, next time you ask over, you can check it out. Oh, definitely, I'd love to. I haven't done anything with VR, honestly. Okay, well, yeah. uh, there's lots of cool things you can do in that VR. I tell you. Right. Awesome. Well, Facebook won't ban players who use more than one headset after confusion about accounts. Facebook Oculus support team had said users with multiple oculus headsets may not use the same facebook account on each headset at the same time that would mean people with an oculus rift as well as an oculus quest or multiple quest headsets or any combination thereof wouldn't be able to use their legitimate facebook linked oculus account for two or more headsets simultaneously Doing so would go against Facebook's terms of service, which could result in an account ban. But the support team issued a correction on Twitter on Sunday, October 25th. They explained that the team shared incorrect information about banning accounts and clarified using the same Facebook account on two or more headsets simultaneously won't result in a ban, and it's not against Facebook's terms of service. So that's good news for all of you who have uh, any Oculus headsets of the sort. Yeah, those um, are those super rich people we're talking about. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they still haven't, uh, at least I haven't seen any response to last week's news about uh, Facebook accounts being banned for people trying to link their accounts in the first place. It may be just something they're like quietly working on. Yeah, I hope they're taking care of that. Yeah, I mean, please, Facebook, take care of that. We've got uh, some pretty angry uh, customers out there for you. Yeah, those those Oculus people. You don't want to piss them off. Yeah. Well, uh, graphics card enthusiasts, uh, PC enthusiasts, should be pretty happy. Tell us why. Well, Radeon RX sixty nine hundred XT 
RX 6800 XT and RX 6800 GPUs are announced by AMD. We have three new RDNA 2 GPUs from AMD, the RX 6900 XT, RX 6800 XT, and RX 6800. The new GPUs deliver up to 65% more performance per watt compared to the RDNA 1 architecture, but use the same 7 nanometer process. They were also able to squeeze out an additional 30% in average clock speeds. These GPUs have an interesting feature known as Infinity Cache, allowing for more bandwidth while keeping power consumption down. This will be a big benefit for 4K gaming, where large amounts of data have to move through the GPU memory. From the graphs that AMD has shown, the RX 6900 XT competes very well with the RTX 3090. All three GPUs come with 16GB of GDDR6 VRAM. The Radeon RX 6900, which releases December 8th, is priced at $999, whereas the RTX 3090 was launched at $1499. The RX 6800 XT is $649 and the RX 6800 is $579. Both of those release on November 8th. AMD also has a new feature called RAGE MODE, which is essentially a one-button overclock that will find the best performance for your card automatically. It can also leverage 5,000 series processors from Zen 3 to give it a performance boost as well, using the smart access memory. Most graphs weren't showing RAGE MODE, but the graph regarding the RX 6900 XT was using RAGE MODE. So AMD has implemented RAGE MODE into their... Uh, I guess they took a cue from all those hack and slash uh, adventure games from the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, Rage Mode, I, actually some of the NVIDIA uh, cards have come out with a one button overclock as well. Okay. Not all of them, but uh, some of the AIB partners for NVIDIA decided to include them on their graphics cards. But it looks like the AMD, I assume all of the cards are going to have this range mode. Yeah. One button uh, overclock. It just finds the best settings for the card. And yeah, if you have a uh, the Zen 3 Ryzen processor, uh -huh. it's going to especially work with those and give you even better performance. I think it's interesting that they're tying, it, tying in their GPUs so tightly with the AMD CPUs, you know, that might give uh, gamers more of a reason to go with AMD all the way for their PC bills. That's true. Builds. That's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we're blasting off into space and science news. First murder hornet nest found in the U.S. and Washington State. Entomologists with the Washington State Department of Agriculture located the first nest of Asian giant hornets in the U.S. It was near the Canadian border. The nest was found by trapping and tagging live hornets, leading the entomologists back to the nest. The agency is destroying the nest and will remove the tree if necessary. Asian giant hornets prey on honeybees and other insects. A couple of these hornets can destroy an entire honeybee hive in just a few hours. They can kill humans as well, as in Japan they kill up to 50 people per year. So, the murder hornets are here finally. What do you think of that? 
I mean, it sounds a little scary, but it sounds like they're doing a good job of taking care of it. Hopefully they don't spread much further than what they have now. Hopefully that's the only nest they've had. I hope they fingers crossed. I hope they can't catch coronavirus. Then we'll be really in trouble. Oh, uh, murder hornets with coronavirus. That would suck. Super spreader hornets. So at least there's a treatment for it now that's approved by the FDA. Yeah, uh, FDA has approved remdesivir as a COVID-19 treatment. Uh, Remdesivir has been approved by the FDA as a treatment for COVID-19 in hospitalized patients. This is the first approved treatment for the novel coronavirus in the U.S. Gilead will sell the drug under the brand name Vaclury. It has been authorized for emergency use by the FDA back in May. The drug prevents viruses from making copies of themselves and was originally developed to treat Ebola. It's also been shown to be effective against SARS and MERS making a candidate for treating COVID-19, also known as SARS-CoV-2. The clinical trials show it may help some patients recover more quickly from COVID-19, but doesn't totally prevent death from the sickness. Ask your doctor if Vaclury is right for you. (laughs) So apparently one of the side effects is death. Um, Besides that, what do you think of this? Um, I mean, I think it, uh, it's been shown pretty well over the past several months that Remdesivir does a pretty good job treating the uh, novel coronavirus. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean we won't find something better over time. We probably will. But, you know, it seems like this is fairly effective. Um, it stops viruses from uh, duplicating themselves. So I think this is a step in the right direction okay they find remdesivir works for more patients than what's been found so far hey go for it i mean i'm sure it's better than a bottle of nyquil and a can of sprite so yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um why don't you tell us about the uh, new chili chili pepper hotness yeah okay so a chili pepper shaped device can rate your pepper hotness If you've ever needed to know how hot a pepper was before you included it in your food, because my girlfriend doesn't like hot peppers, I I do like hotter peppers, but not the hottest of them all. Yeah. Uh, Well, now you can without tasting it. A team of scientists from the Prince of Sankia, I think it was. Yeah, I I did spell that right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's the Prince of Sankia University in Thailand has developed a portable sensor device which connects to a smartphone and shows how much capsaicin is inside a chili pepper sample. It's capsaicin. Capsaicin? Okay, thanks for the correction. So it's capsaicin, sorry. Capsaicin is the compound responsible for the hotness of chili peppers. The device is shaped like a red-hot chili pepper. All right, so do you think they're going to give it away now? (laughs) (laughs) red hot chili peppers oh gosh yeah yeah give it away give it away give it away now i better not do too much more of that or we'll uh receive complaints from them about uh copyright infringement yeah um they seem like such chill guys in the 90s (laughs) yeah i know right yeah but it might not even be them it could be their record label so we're gonna yeah they're probably their hands are tied all right so yeah, so they got this uh, capsaicin detecting chili device. What do you think of that? I, I think that's pretty cool because, um, you know, a lot of people will buy stuff at a restaurant with the peppers in it, 
not realizing how hot it actually is, then they regret making their purchase. Something like this will help them like get a little sample of it before they even have to bite into it. They know if it's right for them or not. Yeah, I guess. And I guess too, I guess having that, you know, visual cue can be like, okay, you know, last time I only got up to, you know, 5,000 scopes. Yeah. Let me try, you know, 10,000 this time, you know? But I think at the same time, the surprise of the hotness is part of the fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> with certain chili peppers, especially like jalapenos, those those can range, those can vary widely in range mm-hmm. as far as hotness. Like, I've been to some jalapenos, and it's just like, okay, I mean, it's kind of hot. Right. But some of them, they really light you up. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess it just depends on, you know, the genetics of the chili pepper right, you're right. eating. So I think I think it may be better used for that. Um, right. But yeah, I, mean, I think it's definitely an interesting little gadget. That, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm sure a small niche of people would find useful. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, the world's first ocean hybrid platform converts tidal waves into energy. Tidal motions, waves, and currents have lots of energy, which can be harvested to produce electricity. They're easily forecasted as well and available 24-7. There have been plenty of attempts at harvesting energy from the seas, but it's difficult due to the curse of water and unpredictable winds. Sin Power, a German green energy startup, began building and testing the world's first ocean hybrid platform. The floating platform harnesses energy from waves, wind, and the sun. It's scalable and can be adapted to customers' needs and location requirements. So, um, that definitely sounds like an evil corporation from a movie. Besides that, what do you think of this? Um, I think it's good for the environment, at least. Yeah. And uh, it's renewable energy. We don't have to use fossil fuels. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of like they're creating like a dam out in the middle of the water. So right. So it's kind of cool. I, I mean, I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all for better sources of energy because I, I want us to not use up all the fossil fuels and pollute the air and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. At the same time... It's kind of hard for us to go back to not using electricity. <laughs> yeah, that would be a heartbreaker. Yeah, it would. I've come to quite like electricity. Yeah. Hey, here's something else here. A new super white paint cools down buildings and cars. Engineers at Purdue University developed a white paint that keeps surfaces up to 18 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than the ambient surroundings. It reflects 95.5% of the sunlight and efficiently radiates infrared heat. The paint could be used one day to combat global warming. So it's pretty interesting. This is kind of like, um, you ever see that Vanta Black stuff? Mm-mm. It's like, uh, it's paint, but they, I think it's made out of like nanocarbon tubes. Okay. But it like absorbs like 99.9999% of light. So you can, you know, paint a 3D object with it and you can't tell it's three-dimensional. Wow. It just looks like, it's kind of weird if you look at the videos on the internet, just kind of like the, when they when they pan the camera around, mm-hmm. it looks like a special effect almost. It's weird. Okay. So I guess this is the opposite of that. This is the super white thing. And I guess you can see it, no problem, but it actually reflects so much light that it makes it cooler. Cool. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. So tell us about these uh, autonomous rowboats. Well, MIT is testing autonomous rowboats, which carry up to two passengers. Uh, their computer science and artificial intelligence laboratory unveiled the Rowboat 2, its second generation of autonomous rowboats that assemble themselves into a series of floating structures. The Rowboat 2 
And just so you know, it's spelled without the W, so it's supposed to be like right, robot yeah. boat. Okay, I just want to, I don't, yeah, I don't keep saying without robo. the W. Okay. Yeah. So the rowboat, too, carries up to two passengers and features four propellers to move in any direction. LIDAR, GPS, and internal sensors for navigation. The boat is only two meters long, but is modular, so multiple boats can self-assemble into a larger vessel. The team is now working on a version that can carry four to six passengers and deal with more serious challenges, like the servants and serve currents and waves. So basically, they took the idea of the fantastic car mm-hmm. and turned it into a boat. Yeah. Okay. Sounds fun. Yeah, I guess it's interesting. Uh, I can't really think of why you might need to link your boats together like a Megazord, but... Gotta fit more people on it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that's all you think well, I wouldn't they think. still be like on their individual boats? Wouldn't they just be boats I guess, but I think they just connect together. So if you have a larger group, you could connect more boats together and you have a larger boat. You know? Okay. Well, yeah. That, that's what it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Well, oh, check this out. So a bird which went extinct has evolved into ex- existence again. Pretty crazy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Aldabra white-throated rail is a flightless bird that lives on the Aldabra Atoll in the Indian Ocean. It actually went extinct 136,000 years ago. A recent study found that the bird has re-evolved itself into existence. Iterative evolution is when the same ancestral lineage produces parallel offshoot species at different points in time. These birds went extinct due to rising sea levels, but the parent species recolonized the area once it re-emerged from the sea. This is seen as the clearest example of iterative evolution in birds. So yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, so this bird apparently died and then re-evolved yeah. itself into existence. Yeah, so. they they uh, they went extinct long ago and now they're back. Yeah, that might give us hope that we'll one day see a dodo bird again. Maybe not in our lifetime, but you know. I guess Professor X will have to change his catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, I don't know. This is pretty crazy. I think. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of weird when you think about like genetics and everything is kind of just kind of working together mm-hmm. in harmony. You know, I guess it's true with what Ian Malcolm said in Jurassic Park: "Life does find a way." Yeah. All right. Why don't you tell us about the uh, this giant asteroid? Um, well, I was thinking you did tell us about the brain implant first. Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> oh, you don't want to skip my story like last week? <laughs> no. All right. I don't, I haven't forgot about that yet, Joe. All right. So, uh, brain implant bypasses eyes to help blind people see. The University of Pennsylvania's Perlman School of Medicine has found a way to use a brain implant to stimulate the visual cortex to produce a pretty clear and functional kind of bionic vision. Dynamic current steering involves tracing steps with electricity into the brain's surface. The Orion system uses an eyeglass-mounted video camera to send information to an electrode array on top of the brain's visual cortex. The resolution is currently limited due to engineering limitations. Six patients have received the implant so far and it has allowed them to see letters as they are drawn. Now, I'm wondering if they see, like, full-color images, like, photographs, like, or we do, you know, yeah. with the system. I really don't know. I, I'd be really interested to learn more about it, but this is definitely a great step for uh, people who are blind. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome. I think I remember seeing a device like this on the Batman, the animated series cartoon back mm-hmm. in the day. 
So, uh, you know, I'm glad that it's finally been uh, willed into existence here. Right. So NASA has discovered a rare metal asteroid worth 10,000 quadrillion dollars. So that'd be 10 quintillion. Something like that, yeah. Uh, the Hubble Space Telescope discovered an asteroid that is made up almost entirely of metals. It's believed to be the dead core of a planet that failed to form. 16, either Psyche or Psyche. Probably Psyche. Okay, we'll just call it Psyche. It's located in the solar system's main asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Measuring 140 miles across, its metal content could be worth 10,000 times the global economy as of 2019. The NASA Discovery mission Psyche launches in 2022 and will head towards the asteroid. It will arrive near the asteroid in early 2026. So, uh, sounds like some enterprising young uh, spaceman might be super rich one day. What do you think? Maybe, or I kind of worry. I mean, I've heard stories like this before, like an asteroid made up of gold. Yeah. That would make everyone like either millionaires or billionaires. That would just cause... Uh, it would destroy the money. economy. Yeah, it like. would destroy the economy and make everything worthless. That, that's my concern with this. Like, And yeah, I'm sure there's ways to handle if, it without destroying the economy. If only our economy wasn't based on shiny rocks. Wouldn't that be- yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should skip to the whole um, Star Trek way of doing things where they don't have a monetary system you know yeah yeah. and people work to improve themselves not for money (laughs) yeah i guess i guess it's hard to incentivize people like i guess if that was really an incentive yeah no one would smoke or get fat or do anything like that right right yeah that's true well i guess that's why they call it fiction (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but i hope for one day something closer to the star trek universe but apparently that's not today not today no (laughs) definitely not all right we've got one more story antonio you take it all right so nasa has confirmed that there's water on the moon nasa confirmed the presence of water on the moon's sunlit surface this suggests that there is likely water distributed across more parts of the lunar surface than was previously believed it's unknown whether there is enough water to be used as a resource however nasa's stratospheric observatory for infrared astronomy a modified Boeing 747, made this discovery using a special infrared camera. The next step in this research is to determine how the water formed and why it persists despite the atmosphere of the moon. So water on the moon. What do yeah, you think? That, that's pretty exciting. Of course, we don't know if there's enough to for it to be an actual resource, but hey, it's a pretty important discovery nonetheless. Yeah, wouldn't it be weird if they just found like an underground ocean on the moon? Well, I know there's been talks about the possibility of water underneath the surface of the moon. I think they shot a rocket to the moon a while back, and they did find some water under there. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and I remember them finding like they found like bacteria, like on Mars or something yeah. like that. So. I don't know. Yeah, we're making a lot of uh, important discoveries. They might seem little here and there, but they're important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, the first step towards becoming like a space-faring species. Mm-hmm. And we might have to get off this planet eventually. So we've got to learn a lot about 
our surroundings off of this planet before we go anywhere, of course. Yeah. And learn how we can survive if we go to, like, the moon or Mars or some asteroid or whatever. We could just be like the Jets and we could all live in these glass domes in the sky. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to help here on Earth any with the environment, but, you know. I mean, I guess having less people on the ground. Yeah, uh, if the place floods, why, why does it matter? Because you're up in the air, right? Yeah, you just give the Earth like you know a couple hundred years to heal itself, then we'll yeah. just go down there and do our thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it'll work like that. <laughs> All right. All right, anything well, else you want to add? That's it. Uh, we can wrap this up. This has been Joey Cagle. And Antonio Guerra. And I'm the best ever. In your own mind, yes. Yeah, I'm the greatest ever. Well, he said he was too. <laughs> you want to do that one again? Which one of us is telling the truth? <laughs> Maybe we can have a tie. Yeah. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>